Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today, I'm honored once again to speak to Dr. Will Morovitz. He's an adjunct professor of political science at Texas State University. For three years, he was a police officer for the city of San Marcos, Texas, having graduated top cadet from the Basic Training Academy of the University of Texas at Austin, my alma mater. He holds a Master of Arts in Political Science from Texas State University and a PhD in Public Policy and Administration from Walden University. He is a native of... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Of Uvalde, Texas. Senor Moravitz, welcome to Politics Done Right once again. How are you doing today? Very well, sir. Thank you for having me again. Well, absolutely. Um, I think the last time you were on, we were discussing, I don't remember if we were discussing gun controls or or what, but uh, you came from the conservative point of view. And of course, I, I come from a very progressive point of view. But one of the things that we always stressed and, and, and the mutual respect comes from that we believe everyone has a right to their, their opinion, have a right to their speech, and one should not be penalized on either side or on any side. For what they believe in. Uh, you contacted me recently and said, guess what, Egberto? I think we have something to talk about. Cancel has hit me. Tell me your story. Well, if you, when we had our first conversation on, on your show, uh, I was promoting uh, my book that came out last February, the, the Blue Divide, Policing and Race in America. And, that, and we had a lot of discussions about that. And if you remember at the end of our conversation, I mentioned to you that oftentimes I show in my classes when, I, when we talk about this issue, I show the old uh, Chris Rock video, How Not to Get to Ass Beat by Police, from the old Chris Rock show that he had. I don't know how many years ago it's been now. It's been a while. Uh, and I show that because for a couple reasons. He's funny, right? Laughter. I think people people remember things better when they're laughing. Um and there's even though it is funny and at the end it gets a little bit comical uh, for those, you know, that have seen it, you know, I'm talking about where it starts talking about, you know, a mad, angry woman, you know, don't don't drive with a mad, angry woman because she never knows she'll say when you get pulled over. Uh, but leading up to that, there's some really good tips, you know, be polite, respectful, hands on the wheel, don't, you know, just just different things. And I show it to him just in in a sense for the classroom to kind of laugh, but also to kind of bring down the uh, the level of seriousness, you know, kind of add some uh, levity to the situation. But I, I do think it's a good video for them to kind of understand. And you wrote about that, I think, in the was it the Daily Coast? I think right. We're, we're, and somebody in my former employer, St. Phillips College, uh, somebody, some employee, I'm not sure if they were an administration or what, but an employee brought it to the attention of the college that I was showing this video and also that I was calling myself professor uh, with a little p uh, and that I don't have that rank. Um, and I try to explain to them, I, I got called into a meeting with HR and, and, um, uh, one of the vice presidents, uh, 
about your article. And for about a week there, I wasn't sure if they were going to renew my contract because they have to let you know by the end of March. And this was middle of March when this happened uh, last year. And they did. And basically what they told me uh, is make sure you don't put yourself off as a professor. I'm an instructor. So even though I have a PhD and, and I explained to them that Texas State, where I, I work since 2018, everybody gets called professor and in, in common language, right? There, you don't make that distinction. Uh, you do in rank. Uh, for those who are not aren't sure, uh, aren't familiar with how the college system works, you have instructor, assistant professor, associate professor, and full professor, and that's just your rank. But everybody, you know, the the, the students, you just say, "Hey, professor," you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but the main issue was that I was showing this video in class, um, and they kind of were saying, "You know, uh, did you get permission to show it? Is this something appropriate?" And I was like, and my response was, "Well." These are college students. Black Lives Matter, police brutality are in the curriculum that this college chose for my class or approved. Rather, I should say that the professors chose the curriculum, but it's approved by the college. And so, so yeah, I think it is appropriate and what have you. And so they basically left it as just be careful what you teach. Um, and then... During my rounds with the you know, the promotion of the book, uh, I got to know the national uh, the national spokeswoman for the National Police Association. And in August, um, they had a booth at CPAC in Dallas. CPAC, of course, is a conservative political action conference. And they had a booth there, and they invited me to sit with them at the booth, um, and and sell my book and just kind of help them promote. The National Police Association, and which is you know nonprofit, to just kind of help out uh, you know police in various uh, types of charitable ways and promoting good policing and, and and things like that. And I jumped at the opportunity. I thought it'd be a great experience. I'd, I'd never been to CPAC, never thought I would go. I just you know wanted to go and and, and visit. And in the course of those two or three days that I was there, I took a couple of pictures of people. Um, one that I was very proud of. I met uh, Steve Williford, who those that follow mass shootings may remember he was the Sutherland Springs man who stopped the shooting at, at the church uh, in Sutherland Springs where 26 uh, people were murdered. And I put him up on my Facebook, right? Uh, and one of my colleagues is a friend of mine on Facebook, and she saw it. Uh, and when I went to work a few days later, uh, another employee said, hey, be careful around this person because this is what she texted me about you. And she showed it to me. And she was basically saying that I needed to be pushed out of the college because my views threaten democracy, that CPAC is a racist organization that promotes, you know, racial purity and and, and anti-democratic views. Um, and, and the irony, of course, here, you know, one of the things that text message uh, and I was able to take pictures of these. Uh, you know, mentioned that Victor Orban spoke at CPAC and he did. And the, the, the irony is I didn't know who this person was. I mean, I know now he's the president or prime minister or something from Hungary, yeah. but I, 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 I had I no idea or Hungary. Turkey, Hungary, what, you know, I had no idea who he was, but because I, I attended as a, as an, as a guest, I kind of got associated with him in that particular uh, context. So I, I took those pictures and I kind of put them on my back pocket just in case something ever came up. And then a few months pass, I'm getting, again, during this time, I'm getting excellent evaluations of my teaching, 
you know, uh, all, all that kind of good stuff from from my mentor and from my department chair. And then in February, I get called in for a meeting um, with HR and a vice president. Uh, and they tell me right away, there's been a complaint about you from a student. We don't know what the complaint is, but you're going to be put on paid administrative leave. And uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, can you tell me more? I was like, no, it should, the investigation should take about two weeks. Uh, you're going to get paid. You will, you'll need to turn in your badge and your keys. And I was like, okay, um, when am I going to find out what the complaint is? I said, probably by the end of the week or on Monday. And I said, okay. Um, and I was told, I was like, okay, well, I need to go get some stuff from my office and, and I'll bring the, I'll bring the badge down to you because I didn't have the, my. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I had my ID badge on me at the time. And they said, okay, well, I, I forget the sergeant's name, but the, the sergeant to the police department there for St. Philip's College escorted me. And we're walking out of the room and I, I stop and I turn to him and I say, excuse me, sir, is this really necessary? I said, you know, I said, I'm a former police officer. I'm not going to cause any problems. I'm just going to run up to my office, grab my bag and and leave. And he said, well, I'll follow you at a distance. And I said, OK, that's that's cool with me. Um, you know, is, and so I, I go upstairs to my office and it's locked. And so I unlock it. I get in there and I'm I'm gathering my things real quick. And then all of a sudden the door opens and it's the police officer who had unlocked with the master key to unlock my door. And I was kind of shocked because he said, you know, he's going to follow at a distance. And then he follows me out very close by. And I kind of, you know, under my breath was like so much for following at a distance because my, it, it was embarrassing, you know, because everybody in my department's kind of looking around like, why, why are they escorting rabbits out, you know, with the police officer? So I leave. And I find out the complaint is from a student uh, in, in one of my small classes. It was for political science majors. And she, she was claiming that I had made uh, very discriminatory and, and disparaging marks against the LGBTQ community, particular transgender people. Uh, and then in, in a, a subsequent um, conversation that I'd actually called or, or said that um, this is why we need police brutality. And if you remember from our conversation, the last thing I would go out and say is, yeah, we need more police brutality. Right. Um, and so th this was, again, the February 9th is when it started. So very early in February, uh, March 27th, I still had been on paid leave. So the two weeks turned into over a month. Uh, I had not been questioned yet by investigators. And I was notified that my contract would not be renewed and that I would stay on paid leave through the rest of the semester. Now, mind you, I had a an extra class that was going to start at the eight-week mark that I didn't get paid for because I didn't start it. So that was about $3,400 right off the bat that I was losing. I had five classes scheduled for the summer. That's another over 20000 So right off the bat, I'm like, well, that's $24,000 I've lost just like that. And... They finally did uh, interview me 
Um, and I explained to them that none of this was true. Uh, I, I had simply given the the alternative viewpoint to gender affirming care, right? Because like like we mentioned, you know, I I I may be conservative, but I don't want my students to only hear the conservative viewpoint. I want to hear both. And so we talked about. In, in the context of of how culture is changing with the transgender movement, because you just you remember uh, 10 years ago, nobody talked like this, you know, with the pronouns and things. it was just it was very new. Uh, you know, I it really started after Obergefell versus Hodges when when the same sex marriage case became nationalized, uh, where, where all states had to recognize same sex marriage is when it really kind of hit fast forward on, on the trans movement. And I was just saying that, you know, there's people who question whether or not biological males who have transitioned should compete in sports against biological women. I was like, there are people who have gone through the surgery and have now regretted it. And I was just pointing those things out. And I even mentioned, I'm not making a moral judgment. I'm just saying, and, and, um, but it, it didn't matter. Um, since the non-renewal, um, I have, uh, discovered I have three affidavits from students in the class, one a conservative, one a libertarian, black male, by the way. Um, and, I, and that was, you know, because of the, the whole uh, police brutality uh, accusation. And then one of them, a liberal student, and all three of them say that she's lying and that I, I was very respectful in class and, and just gave both sides of the issue. So I have that signed, notarized proof. One of these three individuals was interviewed by investigators at the college. So they knew back in February, that the claims were false, but they still went ahead and got rid of me. Um, I do have a council, um, the Academic Freedom Alliance, uh, an organization of, of professors and other individuals in higher ed from all different, uh, you know, uh, political ideological, ideological backgrounds uh, are financing this lawyer. It's uh, Michael Allen of the Allen Harris Law Firm um, in New England. And we, we've been trying to do mediation. Um, that has not been very successful. Um, so we are uh, preparing a, a lawsuit for violation of, of protected speech and civil rights. Um, can't really speak much more on that because, you know, legal, uh, uh, you know, uh, restrictions. But you'll, you'll actually, uh, I think, get a kick out of this next part. Um, so... <laughs> We had appealed the decision, and then once they were like, okay, they're, they're, they might be filing a lawsuit, their attorney said, okay, we're going to put the appeal on hold, and we're going to try to settle this outside of court. Um, and this was in, in late April, early May that we started to try to do this mediation. And they kind of jerked me around left and right. But one of the things they made very clear to my attorney was reinstatement was not going to be an option. So at that point, I decide, okay, well, if, if reinstatement's not an option, I might as well go clean out my office, you know? And so uh, a, a nice lady from HR down at the district office, um, because for those of you not familiar with San Antonio, Alamo Colleges is five community colleges and they're run by the same district office. And I was gonna meet at my office in St. Phillips College at 1130 on a, on a Wednesday, two, two weeks ago, yesterday, two weeks ago yesterday, and I was going to meet with a lady from HR and I was going to pack up my things and, and go. On my way down there, there was a concern, um, uh, some kind of miscommunication about the process. 
And she's saying, you know, they're going to have to pack up your stuff and take it to the district office. And I said, you know, I don't really want them to do that. I don't know who's going to be packing my things. It's my belongings. I'd like to do it myself. I don't give consent. You know, I'm already on my way and what have you. I had business in the area beforehand. So I get down to uh, the parking lot and I text the HR lady and I say, hey, I'm here. Is there any way I can get my stuff? I just want to move on with my life, get my things. And I live 30 miles from the college. So I didn't want to have to drive another 60 miles round trip when I'm already there. So she's like, well, let me get a hold of the VP and just, just hang tight. We'll try to get this situated. And so I'm sitting there talking to a friend of mine who's a faculty member. And then the HR lady calls me back and says, Hey, I'm still trying to get a hold of the VP. Just hang tight. See if there's a police officer or somebody that might be able to let you in the room. And I was like, okay, well, look, I'll, I'll I'll wait around for a few minutes and then I will, uh, you know, I'm thinking of if I don't hear from you, I'll leave. So I go upstairs with my friend who's a faculty member and there's four police officers waiting for me. And three of them surround me, one of them out in the hallway. And they're, they're basically saying, you have no right to be here. You need to, you need to leave campus. And I try to explain them again. One of them was a sergeant again. And I reminded him, you know, I'm an ex-cop. This is during police week, Roberto. I'm actually wearing a police hat uh, at the time. It's a 9-11 hat from NYPD for the 23 officers killed. And I tell him, I was like, look, you have no legal authority to remove me from a public space and a public building, especially when I'm here at the uh, invitation of HR and a colleague or now, you know, a former colleague. And we kind of go back and forth and they're saying, no, sir. And I was like, you you have no right to my property. I'm here to get my stuff. I'm waiting on a call from HR. And it was just a back and forth. And eventually they, they, uh, one of the vice presidents did arrive and say, you're not getting your things and you're going to have to go down. So they, they forced me back off campus and I had to go pick them up, you know, down the road of miles and and, and whatever. And they had, they watched me the whole time. And, and just like I expected, they didn't pack up everything. So I had to get them to mail me some more stuff later and, you know, whatever. It just seemed like overkill. And, and my, my lawyer actually commented as like, well, at least now you know why some people think cops are dicks. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I I get it. They're just doing their job, but it was kind of like, you know, wait, 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 I want to interject right there as I'm listening to you. Right. Uh, you're a you're a former police officer, and and by the way, actually, you know what? I want to wait for t- to end this story before I go further. So finish telling me uh, the conclusion. So let let's go and then I'll. Well, so I went and I I met with the lady at HR down at, at very nice lady, and she was apologetic for all the confusion. I said, "What was the reasoning for the police to show up? Like I'm some kind of, you know." threat or something. And um, she's like, I don't know, it was miscommunication, whatever. And so she was very, very nice, very helpful and got my stuff and I left. And, uh, you know, now we're we we thought we were we had a mediation date that didn't work out. Um, And, uh, you know, some other things happened back and forth between the attorney and my attorney that I don't want to get into. But it got to the point now where we're, we're kind of putting a hold on the mediation thing. And, and, you know, probably uh, going to be looking at filing an, a, an official complaint soon. Um, you know, but like I said, because of that, all the, the the rules about legality, I can't really discuss more details about that uh, just yet. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at now. I, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen with my future, my career. I don't know if I have to, 
you, you know, what my prospects would be if I'm going to have to uproot my entire family and move somewhere to find a new job. Because uh, as you well know, there's not there's not a lot. I mean, getting into higher ed is not the easiest thing in the world. There's just not a lot of jobs out there. And, you know, Alamo Colleges makes up five of, I think, 17 colleges and driving distance from where I am. Um, and then you look at a place like University of Texas, that's one of the top schools in the country. It's very difficult to break in, uh, especially for someone like me who I got into higher ed um, in my late thirties. So I didn't, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of behind the the curve. I don't have like a, a long history at my age of articles I've written and things. This is my, my second career or third career, really, if you <clears throat> consider I taught um, at the high school level. But you're also so, an author. You're an also an author. Yeah. The, but, the book, but, that, <laughs> the book that started all is your article that got <laughs> my article got you I mean, my article got you a notoriety, brother. But let 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 yeah, me... it got me infamous at college. So thank you. That... <laughs> yeah. But let but let, let but, me just say, okay, okay. So that that's that's I basically think... the story. Yeah. This this is important. First of all, I want to ask you, and I'm gonna be straight up with the answer. Is there some kind of a thing with regards to demeanor or whatever that I'm missing here, where uh, you always come across to me very circumspect, nice good attitude, et cetera. Is there anything different how you came across in class when you were discussing transgender and all these issues, which we probably disagree on, were you at least doing it from a, from a, from a respectful form or did you, did you do it like some of the, what I will call the wackos on the right? Because it is legitimate to have to say uh, in the transgender issue, I just don't understand guys who become women and are going to play sports and then be educated about it. That's that's that is something that we can discuss. But we have to open the door to have discussion. Were you somehow? Well, actually, the, the interesting thing is there were two occasions where the student said I made disparaging remarks. Both occasions were me answering a student question, a different student. So the first question uh you know, had to deal with a student. We, we were talking about uh, the different responses to, to COVID and how red states reacted differently than blue states about, you know, reopening and going back to school and things like that, right? And I mentioned a study and, and I, I can find it. I have to go find it again, but I, I've read it. It's, it's a study that shows that there's a correlation between being conservative and being uh, less risk averse, mm -hmm. and and so they you know they're making the argument that when you look at at jobs that have a high risk of injury or death, you know like loggers, oil workers, military, police, fire, or whatever that, that there's a a disproportionate number of conservative minded or libertarian minded people in those right. professions, and so I was just making maybe there's something to be said that that the red states being more conservative are more willing to risk the the you know covid protocols right and one student said yeah liberals tend to be more shy and i was like no not really as i like, we so we talked about you know as how uh whether it be the civil rights movement whether it be the uh, gay pride movement you know this is the the day one of gay pride month um i just kind of use that as an example that that these people i don't i would not consider them shy they're very open about who they are and and what they do and the mm -hmm. student kind of brought up 
um, the LGBTQ movement. And I just was making the comment that they're they're very expressive about who they are. I said, you can look at a gay pride parade and, and see um, that they are not ashamed of, of who I'm they sure. are. And what they, I'm sorry, they shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of like, you know, where, where the conversation started. Another student said, well, it was a little bit older and he, he made the comment. I don't understand all this language with the pronouns and stuff, right? He was in his mid twenties. And I said, and I tried to explain to him kind of the progression and culture of how this has changed in the past eight to 10 years. And when we got to talking about sports, I didn't even give my opinions. I was just telling people there's a swimmer named Riley Gaines who tied Leah Thomas, the Penn state swimmer who ended up becoming national champion. And Riley says that they took the trophy from her against Leah for the photo op. Um, you know, and then now she's going around fighting back and whatever. And I said, and I mentioned, I just mentioned some groups and this particular student said, you are making a moral judgment. You're, you're, and I was like, no, I'm, this is my opinion. In fact, the, the irony of all this, Egberto, is that what I was telling the class were things that I had learned from a colleague of mine who is a member of the community and was letting me read books, um, from the perspective of, Turfs, right? Transgender radical feminists, uh, and and I, it was like an opening, eye-opening experience. Uh, learning about the, the, you can go. I was told to go Google LGB drop the T, right? And you've got on Twitter the Gays Against Groomers the Twitter page, and you've got Fist and Wolf, which are lesbian feminist movements that are against the transgender kind of part of the LGBT. And I was basically just trying to educate them that there are these other views out there and they weren't even necessarily my views, right? I was just basically repeating things that I had been reading with my colleague. Um, so no, it definitely was not something that I was like, oh, LGBT bad or anything like that. I mean, I have two uh, former students of mine from high school that I love dearly that are female to male transitioners, you know, and I never tr treated them any differently. And and yeah, and I have, like I said, I have three affidavits from students backing up what I just told you, that I was never demeaning to anybody and very respectful right. and all that. I, I, I get that. And, I, and again, the, the thing about it is I don't want anybody who talks to me catering, uh, catering whatever they're saying because they know that I'm this progressive guy. I don't believe in cancel culture. I don't believe in any of that. I believe in... I, I can stand up on when I say I am talking about, I think the liberal movement, the progressive movement can stand up on what they believe in. And you as a conservative have to stand up on what you believe in. And then we can sit down and talk and argue points, et cetera. The reason I really wanted you on as well is when you when you sent me that email and said you think you've been, you know, that, you know, you have been unjustly uh, relieved for something that you didn't do. I think just I am not in agreement with that. If you make a, if you have a conservative idea that you put out to your students, as long as you're not judging your student and grading them based on the things that you're saying, oh, there's absolutely not. no reason for them to to get rid of you for your job. Just like there is no reason for I'm going to I'm going to tease you here, your buddy DeSantis to do what he is doing in Florida as far as uh penalizing teachers as they are in Florida for teaching black issues, gay issues, and all these other things. I believe in the free expression of ideas. And I hope that in this happening to you as well, you see the merit in all of us being able to be free to express these things. Yeah, because I think, I think especially at the collegiate level, you know, you should be challenged when you go to college. 
Yes. Um, and and you should. I mean, I was. I remember as a freshman sitting in in class in the in the you know 1996 and having my small little world that, that growing up in Uvalde and and realizing that there's a whole bunch of different perspectives out there from what I experienced and that that's how you grow and how you get better. But and I do try the best I can to present the progressive, the conservative, and the moderate. Uh, in discussions. And one of the things I tell my students at the beginning of every class is I will argue against you, sometimes even if I agree with you, right. just to get you to think if if other students are not jumping in, because I want the students to debate, and I can facilitate. But sometimes, you know, especially because most of the classes I teach are a lot of freshmen, and they're big classes, like at Texas State. Sometimes kids, you know, they're they're still a little nervous about speaking out in a group of 100 and some people and, and whatever. So sometimes I have to jump in. And I just tell them, I was like, look, most students your age lean left anyway. So I am going to just naturally probably argue the conservative side more often. But I have, you know, one of my very conservative vocal students, uh, one that actually gave the affidavit to me, I've, I've, you know, spanked him down a couple of times in class for arguments uh, because I wanted him to think about from a different perspective. And that's why I read stuff by you and and I read the salon, you know, salon and box and, you know, different things, because I don't want to just, I want to be able to, to, to offer my students as much context and nuance as possible. Um, that's why I disagree with some of my conservative friends that are like, you know, CRT shouldn't be taught in college. It's a, you know, and I was like, well, why not? It's, it's a legitimate critical theory is a legitimate thing. And if, if you're going to say, I don't want, my kids learning about the 1619 project or, or, you know, whatever, then how can you go around and, you know, because that's indoctrination, then how can you say that, you know, if I get up there and all I did was teach the conservative view, how is that not indoctrination? Exactly. Right? You've got to be able to, to, to give as much sides and, and, and things like that. And so I'm, I'm very much uh, in agreement with you there. Well, let me tell you this, and like I said, I, I want to before before we close out. Um, I, I, there's another thing that you said that um, really touched me, and that is how you felt when you were going to pick up your things, and how the other you're a cop, or you're a former cop, and how you felt with that guy behind you, how you felt with four cops surrounding you. How you felt with not uh, looking through these other cops, not seeing through your eyes, these other cops not even giving you the time of day to express yourself. Do you see in a lot of ways how and, and, and you know, how those who are or are, 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 um, in the presence of cops, how they actually feel and why they act the way they do many times? And you're a white guy and you have to admit that to, you're a white guy. Yeah. And, and I find it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, three of the four cops were minorities. <laughs> oh, well, maybe they, they, they were slapping. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I, let me let me just I, tell you something about the cops. No, um, wait, wait, hold on. Hold, hold on Bill. I want to say something. First. I want to say something first. And as much as these were minority cops, I don't distinguish white cops from black cops because it's an institution. As you've been there and you you pretty much know that. Now, when it comes to if a cop makes a mistake. You know who's going to go down first. And if you look at the stats, you know who will go down first. But you felt that from you felt that. And I'm saying, think about those other people who lived that. And again, you were a cop. So, well, 
and because I was a cop, I, I, I was able to, I wasn't angry at them. I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't lose my cool because I knew, I knew how far I could probably push the issue before right. bad things happen. <laughs> yes, um, yes. And, and again, I don't blame two, only two of the four actually spoke to me. The other two were kind of in the, you know, just there, I guess. Um, and my, my only problem is I get, they were just doing their job, but the vice president was saying he's not to be here, but I could definitely see the wheels turning when I told the Sergeant, show me the legal power you have to remove me. And HR invited me down here. Cause then he got on the phone and was like, okay, wait a minute. And that was good because sometimes, you know, sometimes when you see these viral videos when they challenge police, sometimes right. the cops get all pissed off and they didn't, they, they were very professional. Um, but I, I kind of knew from my experience how far I could push the envelope and I wasn't being disrespectful. I was being a little bit, you know, firm, but you know, I wasn't, I was being professional because, because you'll see, I saw a video, same guy did it um, in two different public buildings recently. He went in and was filming people in a, in a government building and the late, you know, the people right. were like, no, you can't film in here, whatever. And the cop showed up and the first cop was like, give me that camera. You can't be in here, whatever. And he was saying, no, I can't. He was signing the law. He did it in another building and the cop knew the law and told, told the employee, sorry, it's a public play. I can't stop him from filming. He's not breaking the law. There's nothing I can do. You know, and and I think that that's kind of a learning point that, you know, for a lot of cops in that situation is, you know, be sure that you have the authority to do what you're doing and, and don't yeah. let your personal feelings of somebody, you know, cloud your judgment. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely was aware of that. That's why I kind of felt like, hey, I've kind of been treating like a criminal when I wasn't doing anything wrong. You know, yeah, for right. sure. So I mean, and and I think I think that's a, and and look, I, I hope uh, you know. First of all, I'm glad there there are others that are gonna see this. Quite a few that are gonna see this video and listen to the podcast and and listen to your experience. But I also hope that uh, that particular part of this experience that you had, I hope you can write about it. I'm gonna have this out there as well because I think it's not only a learning experience for the people who the police are gonna be trying to engage, but also for police officers. Coming from another police officer and how you felt when you were surrounded by them, you know. But anyway, give me a closer uh, because we kind of went a little bit over, but I always like I'm talking sorry. to you. So give me a quick closer. Well, I just w would say for those of you listening out there that if we want our education system to be a, a top notch education system, if we want the country to be able to uh, move forward and get along and, 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 and actually have progress. We need to be able to sit down and have these discussions honestly and openly and not silence views. Uh, I believe this country is a marketplace of ideas. And if you're not going to allow certain ideas into the marketplace, um, you know, that's censorship, the, the way to defeat bad ideas is with better ideas. And I think that's what we should move forward to at all levels of, of, of education, but especially in, in higher ed. Dr. Will Moravitz, thank you so kindly for spending some time here at Politics Done Right. And uh, I wish you well. And uh, like I said, I wish you well. They need to give you your job back. Well, I appreciate you having me on to, to tell my story, Egberto. I really do.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.